Hey, what's up, Surf Splendor listeners? Your host, David Scales, here with you for the 100th episode of Surf Splendor. Let's give a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you to the listener. Um, I don't have anything big planned in terms of celebration, but I do want to acknowledge, you know, that it is 100, and I want to acknowledge the listener's role in the show. Something I've talked about in early shows, haven't really touched on it too much recently, maybe in the last year, but, you know, it's like uh, we create the content, you guys distribute, tell your friends, blah, 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 but also um, a lot of the guests that we've had on this show came through direct recommendations of a listener or by referral of the listener. And then that guest referred me to a different guest. And um, it's it's just kind of had a snowball effect. And there's no real way to identify all the moving bits in the arms other than just that it's a snowball that's picked up momentum and it's picked up snowflakes along the way. And um, so without you know giving individual names, I'm just shouting out to everybody that I'm grateful for your collaborative effort. And I am also um, proud of the work that I've done with the show. Um, you know, I, I just, I feel proud of it. I feel proud um, passing it along to people. You know, when I run into people and kind of we connect the dots and it's like, oh, go listen to the show. And they can go into the archives and listen to a show 20 episodes ago. And I'm not worried about what I said or what it was or whether the production quality was up to snuff. I mean, certainly some are better than others, but you know, I'm proud of it as a whole. I think that uh, my original objective with this show was um, to foster an environment for storytelling. Conversations about surfing was kind of the, the tagline, but really storytelling is the theme. So whether Scott and I are riffing in this episode about um, whatever it is, surfboards or the Billabong Pro, you know, story plays into that and I'll try to reference um, stories in my life or whatever, but also in longer profile pieces, you know, trying to get the um, the interview subject to tell story. And um, I think that that's kind of what drives the engine here. It what drives the things that I'm interested in, whether it's music or um, books or movies, you know, story is key. So I think this is a great, great platform to really um, uh, unpack story because it's long form and it's it's somewhat intimate, you know, in that you're listening to it. And um, so I'm proud of it. I'm saying um a lot. I don't know why, but I'm proud of the show. I'm grateful for you listening and thank you for being here for 100. If you're new to the show, go through the archives and listen. Everything's on our um, website, surfsplendorpodcast.com for free. The past 50 episodes are available on your podcasting app, whether it's iTunes app or Stitcher or whatever. So um, enjoy all that stuff for free and uh, share it with your friends as always. All right. Billabong Pro Tahiti is wrapping up. It's actually going into the final right now as I'm recording this intro. Um, Jeremy Flores, and Gabriel Medina. So pretty psyched. I'm really impressed by Jeremy Flores. I did not put him on my fantasy team specifically because he's coming off of this injury. But man, he's really proven us wrong. And so is Sally Fitzgibbon with her um, head injury or ear rupture. You know, she's been wearing a helmet winning contests. So kind of interesting there. But at any rate, 
I hope that you enjoyed that comp. Scott and I get into it just briefly in this episode. So enjoy this episode. I will be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks. Hell yeah, David Lee Scales. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, guy down the line, Surf Talk Radio. It is Tuesday. It is August 25th, and David Lee Scales and Scott Bass with you here discussing surf this morning on our Downline Podcast slash Surf News. Rocking and rolling this morning, dude. Dude, that used to be the, um, that was the lead-in song for this radio show in the very beginning, like say 2005 to 2008. That was our lead-in song. Wow. Iron Maiden, Two Minutes to Midnight. Wow. Well, uh, anything's better than the Allman Brothers. Oh, know? my okay. God. <laughs> that is so wrong. No, it's not You're just going to start the show off with blasphemy across the bow. Absolutely. All right. So not they're not overall better than the Allman Brothers. I'm just saying it's a breath of fresh air. That is what I'm saying. Do you listen to Iron Maiden? Are you an Iron Maiden no. connoisseur? I'm not, but I do listen to the Allman Brothers, so yeah. for the record. That would be my preference of the two, but again... Breath of fresh air occasionally is nice. Iron Maiden, um, pretty damn good. I'll give you some insight about Iron Maiden. Oh, okay. Which you may or may not know. Enlighten me. The lead singer, Bruce Dickinson, was a gold medal or a fence, an Olympic fencing champion. And what? Fenced for the United Kingdom in the Olympics. Crazy. Yeah. He also is a 747 pilot. Fascinating. And he flies the... Iron Maiden jet around the world That's to insane. different locations with all the band and all the, everybody, all the roadies, everybody on the 747. It's a pretty sophisticated, he's, cultured dude, dude for that type of music. He's incredibly smart, incredibly, uh, like, what's the term? I guess type A yeah. personality. He just gets stuff done. Right. So if you ever get a chance to, you know, I would urge you just Google um, you know, an Iron Maiden video, a live video to see Bruce Dickinson and then realize that this guy's an Olympic fencing champion, thrusting and parrying. Right. And that he f- flies 747s. And he does a lot of other things too on top of that. This guy's a go-getter. Uh, I mean, it's just such a disparity between Iron Maiden. Like fencing is such a lily white, old kind of traditional sport and Iron Maiden is such the opposite of that I guess well I mean, he sings songs about it I mean does he I mean when you look you know the thing I love about Iron Maiden is that a lot of their music's based in history you know okay. like you think oh the guy's just a devil worshiper but it's actually you know he looks back on history and they write songs about history and um even Iron Maiden is a historical exactly, reference. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Interesting. Well, yeah. I am enlightened. Maybe yeah. I need to start listening to the Maiden. Yeah, you might need to. Um, so I'm going to Instagram a photo right now with your approval. <laughs> <laughs> of me wearing my visor. Visorgate blew up on the internet. Hashtag Visorgate. Visorgate is real, dude. I mean, people are up in arms. They're taking sides. Are they really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, and I hate to say I'm on the losing side of this debate. Yeah, people are like, dude, let him wear a visor. What's the big deal? Do you not even do I not get to look at the thing? Are you just going pushing it live without my approval? I'll let you see it. Uh, I got a. Are my nostrils there. flaring? Like, yeah. what, did you get the good side of me? I got a good one. So this mm. is going to go out right now. All Instagram right. is at Surf Splendor, by the way. Scott's yeah. wearing a visor. If you want to hear last week's or two weeks ago, we had a show, um, and I criticized Scott for wearing a visor in 
the surf, by the way. That was the criticism. But I got a lot of flack. People were taking sides. I think, you know, again, most people agreed with you, just like, hey, man, let the guy do what he wants. My mom pulled me aside. She's like, David, I listened to that podcast. That was beneath you. I'm like, what are you talking about, mom? That's, <laughs> Have you ever seen that's somebody right. wearing a visor? It never has improved somebody's aesthetic, ever. Thank you, mom. I agree with you. Here's my deal, dude. Yes. <laughs> Function is great, but you can wear a full cap. And that, I've seen guys look or people improve their aesthetic with a full cap. The visor, on the other hand. this Look at the flowing Norwegian mane. Are you going to deny me that look? I don't know. I would call that people flowing. People buy, buy visors. People buy visors with this hair that's fake hanging over it. Like, they literally buy that's this That's a look. novelty hat, though. It's I a joke to, to make their friends laugh. I beg to differ. So. They're covering up their bald spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, a couple of other follow-up things real quickly. Yeah. Last night, I saw Straight Outta Compton. Yes. That film. I've heard it's good. Not only is it good, I had an epiphany. Wow. These So, story, Straight Outta Compton, for those who don't know, basically tells the story of the rap group NWA who pioneered um, reality rap, you know, is what they called it. It was just like revolutionary at the time, but nobody quite got it at first, and they were paving the way, doing it for free for a long time. I was like, holy crap. Scott is easy and I'm Dr. Dre. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> that was your epiphany? Yeah. We are the NWA of the surf podcast world, dude. <laughs> I don't know the story well enough to make any sort of opine on that. Well, based on the information I just gave you, they pioneered this thing. Everybody, they kind of tried to pitch it to people and people are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really listen to that. That's not really my thing, but good luck with it anyway. But they just kept plugging away until finally, bang, something happened. Nice. So I think it we're, was- We're right at that tipping point. Things are going to happen for us here. We're doing it, dude. I because, like it. Because outside of the surfing world, other people have had success with podcasting, obviously. So the platform is proven. Yeah. We're just the first, we're the early adapters in the surf sphere. And so- I've been doing it for 10 years. That's why you're easy E. <laughs> Well, that and the jerry curl that you used to have back in the right. day, you well, know, of course. You had to go um, there. Yeah. But yeah, so I think we're that, and I'm I'm, right. I'm looking to really, I think one of your previous co-hosts might have been Ice Cube, because Ice Marty? Cube- Marty? Maybe, I'm not sure. You had a couple. <laughs> but Ice Cube basically left the band early, went off and did his own thing, had a lot of success, obviously, so oh. maybe Marty is that guy. Yeah, maybe that's Marty. But I'll take the Dre role for sure. Marty I'm going to be Thomas. selling headphones to our listeners in 10 years from now. Nice. Beats by Scales. <laughs> Straight out of Wasp Town both is what we're my, calling it. <laughs> yeah. Both my children saw the movie. Teenage. Did they teenage, like it? Yeah. I said it was great. Nice. Yeah. I saw Vacation. Oh, wow. That was a funny-ass movie. Was it really? Yeah, I enjoyed the heck out of it. Oh, wow. Because I like the Vacation movies in general, but the reviews for that were not Well, stellar. look, it's, you know, take all the, you know, most sophomoric, um, you know, sort of cliches that you can find and then make a movie out of it. It's a little, it is what it is. You're not, yeah. it's not Martin Scorsese. No, know? of course. It's Ed Helms and Christina Applegate. Equally valid though. I love that just as much as Scorsese. Yeah, no, it, I mean, the thing is with movie reviewers, right? Tell me if I'm wrong, but for, especially comedies, they're, they rarely get it. You know, yeah. you're not going to get Meryl Streep in a comedy doing some, you know, she might be in a romantic comedy where they might give it some, you know, yeah. positive reviews, but, when you get, you know, Seth MacFarlane type comedy, there's rarely do reviewers, you know, they don't yeah. want to be, they don't want to lower themselves to liking a comedy that's just about, you know, fart jokes. potty jokes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I agree in general, that's true. But 
like um they did review um train wreck really well for example that new amy schumer movie you know that's done really well and i, I heard, heard it's did you see it i heard yeah. that that movie went on about 20 minutes too long like at first it was like okay refreshing vagina humor mm -hmm. and then at the end you're you're kind of going okay she's done all the bits from right. her stand-up or whatever you know right. she's kind of done it all and yeah. they kept going right yeah no. I, I think that's the case with most movies and surf video clips for that matter they they tend to go a little too long good point speaking of which yes did you see surfing magazine did this thing called the factory they did it yesterday they put it out yesterday uh i didn't watch yesterday i watched all the lead up to it they put out teasers over the last couple of months. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. Well, I just saw it randomly because, you know, it caught my eye because they were talking about what's your favorite music put to surf video oh, clips. Okay. And they pulled five, like, B-list pro surfers. Some you could maybe say were our A-minus list pro surfers. And they said, hey, what's the favorite music you want put to your clip, right? And so, Yaden Nickel put Crystal, the song Crystal by New Order to his video clip. Uh, Chippa Wilson. Is that Chippa Wilson? Chippa. Chippa. Chippa, my. Chris Wilson. Chippa Wilson. Chippa Wilson put a Black Sabbath song, Under the Sun, Every Day Comes and Goes. Um, Connor Coffin put this song by the band, King Harvest. Okay. I can see you rolling your eyes at that one. No, I'm, I'm hip to it. <laughs> and then Yago Dora. Yeah. Excuse me. Who's Yago Dora? I'm completely... Is of course a, you are. Is he a B-lister or a C-lister? That says more about you than it says about Yago, by the way. No, I'm sure Yago rips just like a million other B-listers that are, you know... Well, you haven't even mentioned his country of origin yet, which I thought would have been your first point. <laughs> I'm assuming it's Australia. But no, Brazilian. Into, oh, Brazilian. Yeah. Oh, well, he put... Uh, the song Shredder by Jeff the Brotherhood, but he kind of copped out because it was already put to a clip that some producer had done for him, some okay. editor, and he just went, oh, this is my favorite clip. This is the music I like on yeah, this. Yeah. But he didn't, so he didn't really put a clip, uh, music to a clip, which I thought was kind of a cop out. Most of these things, by the way, are done via text message while people are halfway around the world. So maybe, you no, know. No, for sure it is. Yeah. No, no, it isn't. And maybe a lot of them are, like they didn't put the effort in to create their own clip and put their yeah, own music to it. Maybe exactly. these are just clips that have already in existence. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he didn't understand whether it was that question or the previous question. So, But Surfing Magazine specifically asked several pros sure. to put their favorite music onto a surfing clip. So in this order of those four, I listened to these and I thought that Yaden Nickel, in my opinion, gets number one with the song Crystal by New Order. It sort of mirrored the music, the surfing that was going on. Yeah. It, it made sense, right? Um, number two was Yago, the song Shredder by Jeff the Brotherhood, which mm -hmm. was sort of this alt music. It was kind of cool relative to his surfing clip. That's the thing is it definitely depends on the surfer themselves and their style and their approach and all that. Music is uh, you like you can't just transpose one song over a different surfer. There is one song that can you can do that oh, with. Great. Yeah, there's one song that you can put to any surfing and it works. It is Almond Brothers, I'm it's, sure. It's the Almond Brothers and it's the song Blue Sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put Blue I knew Sky. You were to, say that. Yeah. All right, because I've seen you say that, or I, I saw you made a YouTube video about it. Or I did. Something. I made an entire horrible video clip about. Yeah, and it. then you like pilfered other footage. Yes. Yeah, I remember exactly. that. Pilfered. <laughs> I prefer to use uh, creative license as the term, not pilfered. Whatever, dude. Um, and then number three was the Black Sabbath song that Chippa, Chippa Wilson Knight, he put to it. Connor's coming in fourth. Connor, the band King Harvest, 
like just didn't make sense. Just what he's into today. It's, that's what he was into. He's like, exactly. this is what I'm listening to, so I'm going to put it on my music. Yeah. I don't think he gave it much thought. Right. right. I'm going to put it on my surfing clip, excuse me. Right. And it just didn't come out. But I'll let you look at that whenever you get well, a chance. Yeah, here's my thing. We've done a segment on this show, Best Song Ever, you know. and Every I think, time. What? Yeah, we do it all the time. Well, we did for a long time. We haven't right. done it in a year, but... I think like you'll see that a lot of times and stab magazine had like a stab FM and they'd ask a surfer what their song favorite list song list was. And then they'd upload the playlist so you could listen to it. I really think oftentimes that only serves to kind of gratify the person who is answering the question and much less the reader. Cause it's like, I read it hoping that he likes something similar that I like. And if he doesn't, I never actually take the time to listen to the songs like you did right now. Yeah. Um, I just kind of want my own interests to be validated. But if somebody asks me what I like, I will go on for hours telling you what I like, you know? Right. And then I notice the people on the other end kind of get glossy eyed if it doesn't align with their preferences. So I think that's kind of what we figured with that segment on the show. We never really discussed it. It was just kind of like, I say what I like and you let it go in one ear and out the other. You say what you like. I let it go in one ear and out the other. And the listeners probably do the same exact thing. But we both feel good that we got to share something that nobody cares about. You know? That's that's sad and and wrought with vanity. But um, True I, for music, though. I will say this. I think there's... I think if they do a tweak on this concept, it'll work. I think if Surfing or Stab or whoever takes this idea to actual video editors and goes... Hey, we know it's hard to get clearance for certain music, like the Beatles or the Stones or whoever it is, like the Foo Fighters or whoever the hot new band is. That's They're going to be um, perhaps reluctant to... First of all, it'll be hard to even maybe reach them and get a hold of them to buy license, to buy the music, to put yeah. on your surfing clip. So my question is to like the Taylor Steels of the world or or who's the hot filmmaker? Kai video? Neville. Kai Neville. Kai is a great Steel example. Protégé. Right, a great example. Ask them... What's the one bit of music that you wanted to use for a clip that you weren't allowed to use? You didn't get the rights or you couldn't reach the artist or their lawyers or whatever. And then have them do a little black market ghetto two minute mm -hmm. thing with that music and go, wouldn't that have been great? Now, I don't know how well, legal that is, well, but no. they just put Black Sabbath on Chippa Wilson's thing. I'm maybe, yeah, that's true. Maybe well, they, Kai is um, probably connected. No, well, Kai has said that he goes over budget buying music licensing like he has specific things he falls in love with and it's just like i don't care if this costs 30 grand i'm using this good for him and well i think there's been a few filmmakers who use music that surf filmmakers they use music that i would never choose on my own and i wouldn't even like if i was forced to listen to it but because it's so appropriately used with the surfing i fall in love with the song you know, I become endeared to the song. And a couple of those... Kai, like the Little River Band. <laughs> yeah, Little River... <laughs> There's a scene in an old Quicksilver movie with Wayne Lynch that the Little River Band plays. What song is it? Oh, it's it's like some... I'll, I'm not going to be able to come up with it right oh, now, but man. I'm going to be... I'll We'll search it and figure okay. it out. But. Okay. LBR or LRB. The Little River Band is a band I would never listen to, never. But, but you listen to the song and eventually you're like... Okay, you know what? Yeah, this song because of the clip, it's pulling on my heartstrings. There's such a good. There's a scene. There's a Wayne Lynch scene where he's feeding dolphins in the shallows of a lagoon, and this little river band comes on. It's from an obviously from an old Quicksilver movie called like Storm Riders or. Is it reminiscing? Storm it might be. If I heard the song, I'd tell you. I but. mean, reminiscing's their one big hit. Um, there's. Are a, you gonna play it for us? Yeah, there's a great sequence in um, 
the other guys, which is a Will Ferrell film where he always plays. I know that movie. No, it's not the song. It's not the song. You know you like the song, dude. It's so good, dude. <laughs> Do you like it because of the movie with Will Ferrell, or it was funny in the movie with yeah. Will Ferrell for sure? But dude, there's a this is a good song. There's yeah. a cache of like old '80s cheeseball songs that I will roll up the windows and okay, sing. Okay, you are officially out. old. You need to roll the windows down and be proud of it. No, I'm embarrassed. Come out actually. of the little little river band closet, my friend. But check out this Wayne Lynch. Hopefully, we'll be able to find the song, but. It might even be Christopher Cross or something. Oh, like sailing away! It's not sailing. sailing. It's not that one, but it, it might be a Christopher Cross song. But if it's Little River or Christopher Cross, but yeah. Um, well, at any rate, what I was going to say is um, some songs that I absolutely love that I wouldn't necessarily love by filmmakers. Kai Neville's one of them. The other one is just all the stuff that Marine Layer Productions did for a couple of years. Dane Reynolds and Mickey yeah. Blanchard. Yeah. It's like they would use music that was so esoteric and strange that I would never come across, but it all worked perfectly with Dane surfing and Jason's lo-fi style of editing you know and i ended up then finding that music and listening and it became part of my repertoire you know you could argue that that's the power of some of these surf video clips i mean 20 years from now you're going to hear that song and be stoked and you might not even remember what the surfing was you know yeah. and that's sort of the case with like some of these other songs that we that you come across thanks to these surf edits yeah and five years from now, you're, oh, I know that song from somewhere. I really like it, and I want to listen to it, and I might buy the CD or download the music or whatever it is. Right. But I don't remember the surf video clip. I think it was Yaden Nickel somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, Yago Dora says that in this thing. He, he says, look, I like to listen to Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. I'm not even into this music, but this guy who did the edit for me put this song in there, and I really like this song. Mm-hmm. And now I'm opening up to this band that I would never would have, totally. you know, like yeah. you said. Yeah, totally. No, that's a great point. Very good. Um, do you want to talk about the Billabong Pro? No, I want to talk about Surf Snowdonia, hmm. which has apparently shut down for maintenance reasons already. We've had like one or two weeks in, and they've they've had to they, I, they literally pull the plug and drain the thing. Six million gallons. Oh, so you're a hip to this story. Well, they are my kook, but oh, uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, well, we'll that's we'll basically all I have now. is that they're down for maintenance issues. They they're booked all the way through, you know, till school starts, which I guess is this week, and they've had to basically cancel all of these appointments, lose a ton of revenue. It's sort of the worst case scenario, you know. You want to at least be running for three months and into the winter before this a maintenance issue happens. Right. But but also, just like a new boat. This is where you work out all the issues with these things is the first three months. You know, you, you know, generally not when people have flown halfway around well, the world to ride that boat. Rega- irre- no, not irregardless. Regardless of that, <laughs> that, this is when these issues occur in new, in new technology, you know, physical yeah. technology where you're like, okay, let's work out the. Yeah, but you would I, have hoped they would have worked them out before. Exactly. Booking. Yeah. And so here's. But they were against budget and they had timelines and they had probably. to make, you know. So um, I interviewed Tom Resvin last week to talk about oh, his experience. We yes. talked about him. Yes. Um, he was the first surfer to actually ride that wave at its like proper size. Yeah. Um, What's the proper size? They're calling it two meters, which is what? Five and a half feet? Yeah. It was is like, that a five and a half? No. Yeah. It's like no. a three foot wave. Yeah. It's like waist to shoulder high, you know, basically. Well, that's, that's good. Waist to shoulder is pretty yeah. good. So he he wrote it, you know, a week or two prior to them opening to the public to give them feedback and all that sort of thing. And um, so 
you can listen to that episode as last week's episode if people want to listen. But basically, he said that he's also surfed that wave in the United Arab Emirates. Way better? No, not way better. But he's like, dude, that that pool in the desert in the Middle East is in 100 degree weather, beyond 100 degree weather, super rugged elements all day, every day, and it works perfectly. Like if any mechanical breakdown was gonna happen, it would happen in that environment. And he's like, I don't know what they do to keep it from breaking down, whether it's air conditioned or whatever, but he's like, it's really unacceptable for Snowdonia to have this major of a catastrophic malfunction this early in the game. And he goes, especially like he said, when people flew around the world, spent tons of money, they're only gonna be there for three or four days. And you can't ride the thing at all. It's like people are out tons of money. Tourists are. So yeah. bad PR for, yeah. you know, Surf Snowdonia. And um, the general North Wales region. Exactly. <laughs> the Chamber of Commerce guy is like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. North Wales is now the new place for outdoor enthusiasts yeah. or whatever he said. Right. Because there's a bunch of things to do there other than just surf. Tons of outdoor stuff. But um, in the weeks prior to closing the park, you know, the few weeks that they were open, they were receiving a thousand visitors a day and I guess 3,500 surfers overall in that period of time. So it's a lot of people whose plans got bumped for the closure. And I think Beach Grit, I don't know if you saw, I think Derek Riley or one of those guys at Beach Grit did this. They saw a review on Sir Snowdonia um, by just your average Joe guy that has a blog. It wasn't okay. like a review for, you know, any major, you know, news yeah. surf news outlet or whatever. And he came across it and he found it refreshing that it was sort of a letdown. The guy wrote this blog and he was kind of like, you know what? It, it was lame. Really? You know? and, and again, I can't, you know, word for word or even paraphrase what how the thing went down. But check Beach Grit because he basically cut and pasted the whole blog sure. on there. And um, it's pretty interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Resi said it's fine like as a wave if you compared it to something in the ocean it's kind of like Malibu or Lowers like a blend of the two mm -hmm. where it is kind of like a reeling point break but a little bit soft and like you know those waves sometimes that are like soft but fast so you can never quite frustrating yeah you can never quite get a good crack on them right. it's like you're racing but then you tap it and you're like crap I should have bashed that thing but I didn't have time to do a bottom turn. I just needed to make the section. And that's kind of the position. Yeah, and that's, in. I told you that there's, you know, the wave energy out on the shoulder is nil. Right. You have to be in the zone. So when you go out onto the shoulder, you all of a sudden you're out in this like dead zone, even though you're on a, a relatively vertical wave face, there's just not a lot of energy there. Right. And that's part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. He said he was riding like EPS, you know, cause it's fresh water as well. So you just need like lightweight, you need different equipment basically yeah. to surf fresh yeah. water. Yeah. So when I did that interview, by the way. Rezzy, what did he have to say? He has a lot to say. I know, say. that guy's a talker, I'm telling you. I think we squeezed an hour and a half interview into 45 minutes. Nice. No joke, but it's amazing because I don't even have to ask questions. Yeah, he I just ask, rolls. I ask one question and then I'll have like in my notes 20 questions and he'll just ping pong them. Like he'll hit them without me even asking. I just sit there nodding and then... He'll come to like an abrupt stop. The listeners must have been happy. No, they loved it, actually. I mean, honestly. Less we got David, more rest. Exactly. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Oh, so anyway, um, he'd come to like an abrupt stop. And then I'd kind of like, you know, zoom back in and be like, oh. And then I'd have to scan my notes to figure out which of the 20 questions he didn't quite and which fits into the narrative now. And it's um, less work for me in certain ways, but more work in others but yeah, um, yeah. he's a great great guest yeah People he always like him yeah uh interestingly we're, we recorded this interview in huntington beach in a little side street um 
kind of back alley seating area outside of a coffee place. And in that 45 minutes, Rusty Long walked by, little cameo appearance. Ryan Turner walked by, little cameo appearance. And I was like, you know, it is Surf City USA, but I I take it for granted. And I probably could have gone down to the pier and watched Sippo surf that day if I wanted to. And whoever else, Courtney Conlog. And that's kind of a rare thing. I, You know, it's it's common for you and I in Southern California to be around all these pro surfers and they're just cruising and part of the scenery. But for people listening to the show around the world, it's probably awesome, you know, to think that you can just be at the beach and have pros come through at any given time. Be like you're going to p- play a pickup game of basketball at the park and LeBron's playing on the court next to you. Not LeBron. More LeBron, like, dude. No, more like... You know, a guy who rides the bench for, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks. Wow. No, seriously. Straight burning. No, I'm not, but I mean. Rusty long. Right no, now. the question is, what is a pro surfer is my point. like A guy who makes a living riding a surfboard? Well, I, I don't know that Ryan Turner makes a living. Maybe he does. He was actually on his break from the sugar shack at yeah, the time. Yeah, and Rusty <laughs> was there because he works for Reef. He's a sales rep. Right. And so, you know, it'd be one thing if. You know, okay. Kelly and Julian Wilson walked by you, then maybe it's like LeBron. I've seen That's them. LeBron. I've seen them I there have too. too, but you didn't. My point is, is that not while we were recording, but we point is we have seen those guys paddle out. I mean, I've been surfing 54th Street randomly and Julian shows up. Yeah. You know? And so you you have a good point as well. I'll recant my original wording and say surf celebrities walk by. Not pro surfers. Well, I mean, and maybe they are pro surfers. You know, we always get into this conversation. It's just like, you're, dude, you're a pro surfer. I mean, like, what does it take? What is the... I definitely am not. You make more money from surfing than some people might. But not from the act of riding the surfboard. Right. Well, either does Ryan Turner or Rusty Long, or but you still they consider... Why way. do you consider them pro surfers? And, because they started that way. So I still retired, view them that way. So they're retired. Unofficially. I just view them as being a Professional. pro surfer. But I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying. My point is just that it's rad to be around all these people at all times. And well, we, we take it for granted. It, it's very cool to be around Rusty Long because he's such a great person. Hmm. Um, I don't know Ryan Turner, so I don't know what it's yeah. like to be around him. Yeah. But... When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply ryan for those who don't know 
Ryan and his brother Timmy, their parents own the Sugar Shack, which is a restaurant on Main Street in Huntington Beach, and it's kind of a main. Timmy's stand. great guy. I love that guy. Yeah, He's I mean a- his stuff. The films that he was making back, you know, in the mid two thousands were incredible. Timmy Turner. Well, last it? time I saw him, he was. Feed me oatmeal at the sugar yeah, shack. Exactly. I love that guy. That's the thing. He'll put. And he's in, the coolest guy in the world. He'll put in months at his family's business and then go to Indo for months. Yeah. What was the name of that movie? I can't, oh, Second Thoughts. Maybe. Second Thoughts he was had the a name few of, of Timmy Turner, where he like rather than going and riding on a fancy boat like Scott Bass does in Indonesia wearing <laughs> oh, a visor, Timmy goes God. and like camps out on the beach, has to hike to spots, cook a goat for dinner, you know, that sort of stuff. That yeah. video was rad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's there's been a line of, you know, a line of thought regarding you know what is feral. You know, like f- is forced feral feral or you know? There's different degrees of feral and ferality. And, and what is adventure? Surf travel? You know? I don't know. Um, adventure basically means that you have to rough it and it's uncomfortable. Okay. And if you don't rough it and it's not uncomfortable, it's not adventurous. Well, I took. I got a perfect segue. I did an adventure through the Central Coast the last few days, like Wednesday through Saturday. Why was it adventurous? Because I had to rough it, to your point. The Central Coast of California? Yes. What did you do? <laughs> Would you have to well, go to an IHOP instead of a Denny's or what's the deal? So, <laughs> both of those are roughing it, by the way. <laughs> no, not for you. Denny's is an upgrade. Um, Waffle so, House? So check it. My dad was going to be in Monterey. And I was like, on Saturday. So I'm like, oh, I'll come up and meet you in Monterey, you know, just hang out. But I left. It's a five-hour drive. I left on Wednesday to make it to Monterey on Saturday. And I just figured I'll camp in the Central Coast along the way. I've kind of been interested in camping. I haven't done it for a few years. And so I, I <laughs> loved it. Why were you interested in camping all of a sudden if you haven't done it for a few years? Because I read you that dusted book. dusted off some, Yeah, yeah. Oh, you I read a Finnegan's book? No, dude. Uh, no, but I do want to read that. It's even more embarrassing. I'm going deep into the depths right now of David. But okay, what do you read? I read that book, Wild. It's the, Reese Witherspoon made a movie about it a couple like last yeah, year or something. Yeah, yeah. The book is phenomenal. The this, girl goes off the yeah. This girl the, who's like at her life's like turning point. It's kind of like Into the Wild by Krakauer. It is a little bit. Yeah, she's like Same. heroin addict. Leaves her husband. Her mom dies of cancer. She needs to like rediscover herself. So this book got you into camping. So she hikes the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah, and I That's read it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's she does like a thousand mile hike or something. But is anyway, she, is she detoxing? Well, is she already detoxed? She had already detoxed. Okay. But still, like she's fully trying to under-prepared. find herself, find some spiritual totally. awakening, and she does. And did you? Spoiler alert: camping. Yeah, took you did. me two days. <laughs> <laughs> two, only two days, and no Pacific Coast Trail. That's what <laughs> I hop will do to you, dude. I hop is a spiritual awakening. Two days, the dude. I literally. So that's the joke. Is like I was like, I'm gonna camp through the week, like through Wednesday, <laughs> and then I'm gonna meet up with my dad, dude. After two days of camping, which by the way wasn't even that bad at all, I was like. I booked a hotel the third <laughs> yeah, night. <laughs> like I found God, I'm booking a hotel. Doesn't take me long. I'm a fast learner, Good you know. You. But it was like it was definitely rad. Like just hiking into surf spots with nobody out in the water. There's a lot of kelp, and it's a little creepy out there super by yourself. Creepy. And like it was super creepy, dude. Yeah. I had a few moments where I felt just as scared enough to like be very grateful for Orange County. There you go. You know? Which brings into account, you know, a lot of people, I've said this with you before, people go, why is surfing so great? Well, one of the reasons is, is what you experienced. You went into the food chain, mm-hmm. right? You were freaked out. When yeah. you got back on land, you were like, you know, doing a little Hail Mary. Yeah. And just stoked that 
you know, stoked that I can climb into my vehicle with heated seats. Yeah, like the you know, simple, like, the uh, simple things in life. Exactly. You know? Stoked that your iPhone got you to the next aisle. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> poor reception out there, by the way. <laughs> that sucks, dude. I literally you know there's poor reception on an island in Indo with Timmy Turner. That's where there's poor reception. Seriously. Did not eat one meal at the campsite. Like I, I, I hop all the way, baby. No, I hop either. I was using Yelp and finding uh, it's all Quiznos. Ag- well, it's all agricultural area, so there's actually really good food and Ma wine and, pa, and coffee, co- coffee, coffee, yeah, like some like local coffee houses. Yeah, locally roasted or whatever. But um, garlic coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gilroy car- garlic capital. There's a lot of capitals, by the way, around that area. Yeah, artichoke capital. Pistachio Capital, IHOP Capital. Yeah, you're. What's your IHOP thing? You're super into IHOP right now, dude. Did you not eat breakfast today or something? Okay, next topic then. Billabong Pro or no? The auction, dude. The auction's coming up. Big auction. California Gold Vintage Surf Auction. This is the whole auction segment. Are you prepared for this? You have been a busy bee, dude. I know. I've been too busy. It's been crazy. Too busy. Too busy to go on surf adventures. So this is the segment where, yes, the answer is yes, no surf adventures. There's been no surf. The waves have been, it's been the worst summer ever. Yeah. Right? I brutal. mean, that whole you say that's a thing, lot. But. No, that Central Coast thing was kind of a bust. Like I surfed because I was there to surf, but did no. not get waves. No. And the water temperature? Warm, dude. All the way into Monterey, it was in the low 60s. Nice. If you can believe. I've never seen I do that believe before. That. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty rare. And there's been a lot of El Nino talk and... Um, and yeah, again, the surf in Southern California, especially in San Diego, has been just dismal for probably two months, I would say. Yeah, Maybe brutal. more. Brutal. But um, the auction. So the, the idea here is for, uh, well, first of all, it's California Gold Vintage Surf Auction. It's presented by Griff's, hashtag groom like Griff. I have no idea what you're talking about. Griff's is a grooming barbering product. Oh, I see. Made by surfers for surfers and for everybody else for that matter. Barbering product. What's the product? Like pomade yeah. hair thing? Like like you know, like a grit for your hair yeah. and like a scalp like a cleanser. Oh, okay. Clean it's a cleaner. Yeah, there's a scalp cleanser, there's a scalp conditioner, Got it. there's a there's a you know, shampoo, like the whole deal, you know. Sweet. Yeah. Give you the surf look. Yeah, you need some. Griffs, based on what I'm seeing right here, like this backlash from <laughs> you, you the visor. You need, you need a visor. Basically. Backlash from the visor. Here, just put it on. Just yeah. go ahead, put it on. That will not touch my head. Oh my god! First of all, that thing I'm handing him filthy. the visor right now. I want to get lice, dude. Come on. <laughs> oh my! All right, perfect. Guy just, guy just worked me. Um, the auction is coming up. So there's so many. We have 62 live auction surfboards. Okay, I'm very excited about it. And I want to tell you about some of them, but I'm hoping that we can turn this into a segment somehow. So maybe you can just like, I'll tell you what, do you want to hear, what do you want to hear about? Do you want to hear about the world championship set? That's sure. probably in your wheelhouse. Whatever you want to pitch. The world championship set includes surfboards of and by Tom Carroll, okay. Sean Thompson, Martin Potter, Tom Curran. Who am I missing? Uh, maybe one other. So they're all part of a set. You got to buy the lot. No, they're each individual lots, but it's under the umbrella of the world champions, world champions set. Got it. So we've got these great boards by these guys and um, boards that they rode in competition. uh, Yeah. Well, Tom Carroll's is this really killer um, Simon Anderson shaped energy single fin from his uh, rookie season on the North shore. We've got great photographs of him riding it at pipeline in the pipe masters. 
Uh, he, t- I've, t- I've been talking with Tom about the board a little bit on Facebook, and he's been telling me some great little anecdotes about that final heat at the at the Pipe Masters where Larry Blair and Sean Thompson and these guys were like, you know, basically veterans, and they were kind of icing him and pushing him too deep. And mm. I think Tom, I'll have to look at my notes, but I think he got third or fourth in the final. Yeah. But here's this rookie kid on tour, you know, in the finals at the Pipe Masters, and we've got the board from that session, and um, it's in great shape. It's beautiful, and uh, it's just one of the neat boards that, you know, that I love history, as you know. I'm a big nonfiction reader, and each one of these boards has got so much history attached to it, and all 62 boards in the auction are filled with provenance. So this is one of those boards, and, um, you know, we've got, the saint model martin potter this isn't martin potter's personal board it's a board that was built by glenn pang in the mid 80s uh it's a great representation of what martin potter rode martin martin potter signed this board so we have this great um town and country with the classic saint paint job you know that green and yellow yeah sort of new wave vibe paint job um, we've got, of course, the Tom Curran board, right, which is the most incredible stickerless reverse V board that Tom rode through the Holly Eva Pro to victory. And then... It's historically an the important next, board. Yeah, well, they all are historically important, I think. But this one, because of the Tom Survey image, which is considered by some like the, the most classic surf picture ever, um, you know, this board has got a lot of, a lot of mojo. Yeah. And Maurice Cole shaped it. Right. So tell me about the auction itself. Um, how long has it been going on? Is it once a year? The auction's biennial. Okay. Which is every two years. Got it. It's been going on since probably 2001. Okay. Was the first one. So there's been seven of these thus far or something yeah, to that effect. Randy Rarick held them in Hawaii until... 2011 okay. and basically handed the reins over to myself and to the surfing heritage and culture center to um you know take on the heavy load and randy helps me find the boards and get the boards um up to auction speed he's like american pickers guys he is he's, he knows everybody he's been everywhere yeah. and like has more access and i would assume too as the auctions gain steam over time people probably see numbers boards fetching higher and higher numbers and if they have something like that in their garage probably a little more apt to part ways with it yeah well you know from from an investment standpoint they're great investments you know they don't lose there's only so many of these boards these aren't boards that are mass produced by a computer these are hand-shaped boards by jerry lopez by you know all sorts of legends george downing you know just the the list is endless i could go on and on i wouldn't want to leave anyone out but um, so if, yeah, from an investment standpoint, if you have one of these in your garage, you're, you're sitting pretty, Oh yeah, you know, and so we're excited. I mean, there's just so many great boards. I've got this list here. I don't know if any well, of it interests you. Well, where can people access that list? Well, Let's do I'm that. in the process of building the program, which means writing the copy for the program, the words that describe the boards and mm-hmm. getting the pictures made. So the program will be available and online within two weeks. What What's the website? TheVintageSurfAuction.com. When does it take place? TheVintageSurfAuction.com. September 26th Excellent. in Culver City. You said those are live auctions. Um, can people access or bid online? You cannot bid online. You have to be at the auction okay. to bid. But if you're 
like say in England and you want to buy a board, you can have a proxy bidder there for you. Got it. Um, somebody like yourself, David Lee Scales, you could go there and be the proxy bidder for somebody in England or on the East Coast or wherever. Got it. And we're going to have a bunch of legends there. Of course, Sean Thompson will be there. Tom Kern will be there. Barry Kaniapuni will be there. Um, Hope Greg Knoll will be there. Mickey Munoz will be there. Maurice Cole. Hopefully, Tom Carroll will be there. I've been chatting with Tom. Tom might be here for the Lowers event. It's right after the Lowers event. Smart. So there'll be a bunch of guys in town. Um, who knows? You know, maybe some of these B-listers from Huntington Beach will roll up and we can <laughs> hobnob with them. I suppose when you put those names in the mix, it does make uh, my cameos feel very inadequate. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. And um, the auction, the auction, the auction. Dave's <laughs> got like, got let's it. move away from got the, the auction. auction, dude. We get He's it. like, what's the website? What's the date? Okay, next. Perfect. <laughs> oh, uh, well, it's because I'm excited about the Billabong Pro, man. We're going into right. the final day. We yeah. need to wrap up the show in the next 30 minutes because it's going to start okay. at 1030 and I want to watch it. Okay, you're down. I'm down with it. I know where you're coming. You're, yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Of course. Billabong Pro. Billabong Pro. So they went on seven day lay day, seven lay days, and they just resumed competition yesterday. Uh, by the time people listen to this, a winner will have been chosen. But there's a few things I'd like to discuss about the event thus far. Okay. Every time they do the morning call, and Rosie Hodge is sitting with Kieran Perot in the channel. Yeah. She goes, So, Kieran, are we going to get today's competition underway? The first word he always says is yes. Even on the lay days, she'll be like, so, you know, it's kind of, there's a bit of storm out there today and the waves aren't so good. Are we going to get today's competition underway? He goes, yeah, you know, there is a bit of a storm out there today. He'll say, yeah, to like validate whatever it was she was talking about. But I'm like, no, don't use the exact opposite word. Her final question out of her mouth is, are we going to resume competition? Meaning the first word out of your mouth needs to be no, because it throws me off every single time time i encourage listeners go back watch all the morning shows he does it every single time and it's driving me insane how absolutely beautiful is rosie hodge by the way like she's gorgeous she's like like they should they could definitely use more rosie hodge on that thing like well i mean smart articulate nuanced all of it but i agree i know she's beautiful and then the camera cuts to her and i'm incredibly beautiful like in a trance and and is, is are Ronnie Blakey and her like they are destined to get married and have no. beautiful children? Like it no, seems no. like that's the case. She's in a long term relationship with a local San Clemente dude. You're kidding me. No, she lives here. Oh really? We're in San Clemente right now, by the way. Oh wow. Um, yeah. No, she's well, who's the lucky guy? I don't need to oh, air you know there. Him. No, I don't know him, but like he's in the circle. Like I know people that know him and all that sort right. of stuff. Well, um, he's a lucky guy, whoever it is. I can't totally. believe you're holding him back right now and you're not telling us because because. <laughs> Because you're, you're, you're like afraid that he's going to find out you were talking about their relationship on the air and that's you're going to be he's like not, shunned or something? Dude, he's or? not a public figure. It's not like, you know. I, it's probably, she is, therefore he is. <laughs> that's true. I mean, look at uh, Oprah's we, dude. What's his name? Stedman, of course. Yeah, Stedman. Like, who the hell's that? I don't know. I couldn't Oprah's pick him dude. out of a lineup. Yeah, he's but, Oprah's dude. Yeah, he's Oprah's dude. So who's Rosie's dude? Well, you know, this. if we want to go down that route, we can. We could nah, be the TMZ look, of nah, surf culture. No, no. Okay, you know what? You've righted the ship. Okay. I won't go there, but I just want to say that she's gorgeous. Unbelievable. And, and, and <laughs> while I won't call him out, I will comment on how beautiful his yeah, girlfriend is. And she's smart. She's all those things she said. And so 
why not put her in the seat instead of some of these other people? That- they have been. It seems like she's been getting more and more airtime. Um, she's proven herself. She's, she's incredible. Fantastic. I agree completely. I think overall, like the production has. Improved. By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. did you hear, see what Matt Warshaw wrote about Rosie Hodge? No. So Matt Warshaw, did you see the thing on Beach Crit that he did? I've seen various things. Well, well, recently he wrote a thing about the commentary, probably oh, after no. the first round of the Billabong Pro. Okay. He's like, I did not. It was his time to pick the low-lying fruit and diss the WSL commentators. And he went on and he basically, you know, let me try to find. Oh, so he goes, this is on Beach Grit. He goes, Martin Potter's jaw-grinding voice sounds as if it's been filtered through six espresso shots and a migraine headache. Ross Williams has me considering preemptive adenoidal surgery for my son todd klein is he a car salesman (laughs) and then he says rosie hodge question mark who can even hear her above the angel choir and the softly strumming lutes (laughs) which is exactly right you don't even really hear what she's saying i just i just that is picture her so solid Um, well and then he rips on joe terpel i disagree with everything that he said other than the Rosie Hodge bit. Like, I mean, he's got a point and it is very funny, but I don't feel that same way at all. I think those guys are doing a fantastic job. Well, uh, look, I, he he sort of does too. Initially, he wrote something completely different. It was on a totally different line of thought and he chimed in a little bit at the end about the WSL commentators. Then Beach Grit, Derek Riley goes, Matt, the only thing you said that I was interested in was the WSL commentators. Can you pontificate more or elaborate, I should say? And so then for Beach Grit, Matt elaborated, and this is where this came out. But he sort of, um, you know, there was a caveat to it in that he said, hey, look, you know, these guys, what they do is hard. Yeah. This is low-lying fruit. I get it. Beach Grit wanted me to comment. Yeah. Wanted my commentary to continue on this. So I did. And this is his, these are his thoughts. I mean, you and should I, hear I Joe like Turpel. He goes off on Joe Turpel basically saying, and I'll, this is Joe has it coming, by the way. During, during a trifling round two heat between a couple of backbenchers, Peter Mel from the channel reported that he wasn't sure if Glenn Simpson was or was not riding a quad. And Turpel replied, Thanks for the insight, Pete. At which point, a rhesus monkey began flinging itself against the opposing sides of my skull because Mel's comment was exactly, definitely, almost scientifically the opposite of insightful. And Turpel hurts me on both a professional and personal level. It's that's so Matt Warshaw, and that's pretty good because it's pretty accurate. You know, Joe does. I mean, like I, you and I have talked about this. There could be an earthquake and a tsunami, and Joe would be like, "Hey, look at that beautiful wave rolling in." Exactly. <laughs> but with with subdued passion like somebody will get blown out and he'll just be like wow what a great barrel you know and it's not like screaming at the top he's not jumping out of his seat ever yeah. he's just that yeah i i fully but agree. like and i even commented with I, I chimed back and forth with matt about it like and he he gets it i was like you know low-lying fruit easy to do let's try let's try to solve the problem and and, and you know of course by the way I've been leading the discussion on WSL commentators on this show, Downline Radio, as far back as like 2004. At one point, I scribed that that GT, somebody should mix in a morning Ambien with his decaf because yeah. he just froths at the mouth. So, and my point is, is that that's not that clever. It's just that it's easy, low-lying fruit. Yeah. To, these guys, what these guys do is difficult and and... And so my commentary, I don't know if I've told you this before, but 
my feeling is what they should do is pick the A team. At this point, we think it might be Ron Blakey and Ross Williams, but they could get rid of Ross and put Rosie. It would be great if it was Ronnie Blakey and Rosie Hodge. We wouldn't even have a color commentator. It would just be two analysts. Ronnie can do the color commentator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you pick the number one team, whatever it is. Maybe it's Joe and Martin. It doesn't matter. Whoever they deem the number one. It does matter, really. But. Sure. And they hold them back. We don't even see them okay. until, say, round five on. And, of course, they've been watching the show, the, the broadcast or the... Condensing con- down into And, and a- they've been getting their opinions yeah. sorted. And the production staff in the back end is now getting all the B-roll for them that they can go, hey, remember in round one, we saw Kelly do this. And here's my thoughts on that. And, of course, that takes place during the downtime in those heats when there's not any ways being ridden and we need to... Yeah. fluff it up somehow right so we hold on to those guys so you and i the viewers don't get them we don't get you know um you know bob costas until the the last couple yeah innings until it's it. important i get it and i think that would do a lot to rather than just re- alternating every three hits. right yeah you know um strider seems to be the gt replacement in terms of just being that overfrothed, can't get a sentence out of his mouth without it stumbling upon the previous sentence. I wouldn't even tell you what Matt wrote about Strider. Well, I don't even have it here. I was embarrassed to say it because I like Strider. I think he's a great guy, but he, he I think is. everything's been said about Strider that needs to be said. But he's actually improved, and I feel like they found a role for him that's perfect, which is sitting in, in the, the channel water, yeah. and then pitching to him and go, hey, what's it like to paddle into a set wave at Chopu? And he breaks it down because he can speak eloquently and passionately about paddling into a set wave at Chopu. Whereas Ross can analyze the numbers much more accurately. You know what I mean? So I think that they... I think Ross probably does just as good a job. He's dropped into waves at Chopu. Um, I'm not saying he's as good a surfer as Strider is out there. I think he is. (laughs) But my point is, is that... Yeah, I agree. Ross can break it down just as Probably. good. You Probably. know what I mean? Like, w- w- I'd rather see Rosie in the channel telling me about how hard it is to paddle into a wave. And Pete, Pete Mel kind of does a similar he, thing, but they does. give him like the forecast bit and the surfboard bit. Like, those are his areas of expertise. They need to open that up. But he's up. a big wave world champ. Like, he could yeah, just as easily talk about getting waves at Chopu. Absolutely. And I basically what Matt said about Strider, I'll just break it down, was that. Strider's proof positive that the WSL doesn't want to improve their product. Ooh. The fact that he's still around. Oh. That's from Matt, not from me. Wow. But it's it's sort of, you know, if they want to improve their product, certainly there's lots of places you could go, and that might be one of them. Well, I was surprised this season when they did not bring back – I mean, I was not surprised when they did not bring back Pat Parnell. I thought that was smart. But, I heard that but, was a money thing. Oh, that he well, wanted a lot more money, and they weren't willing to pay it. Not to mention, he called Julian Wilson, Owen Wilson, and Owen Wilson, oh, Owen Wright, a million Owen mistakes. Yeah. yeah, but when when they made a few cuts like that, I thought that uh, Strider might have gotten the axe at that point. But he, when he came back, it felt like he got coached up and like he had improved his product and all that sort of thing. But I agree, not to the point of um, Ronnie Blakey's professionalism, who is the male version of Rosie Hodge, as you pointed out. Yeah, they should have children. Quite frankly, like. That's I'm like a, that's something that. you would see on Beach Grid. I mean, if if humanity wants to improve their product, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my. So, uh, what else about the Billabong Pro? Did you have thoughts about it? Let's. One thing is um, that relates to you and your boardroom show and surfboards. Josh Kerr is winning on an asymmetrical surfboard that he shaped, quote unquote, probably helped shape um, with Rusty. 
Yeah. And we've talked about in the past, he's ridden asymmetrical boards out there. And, you know, we've got um, in San Diego, in your hood, you've got Carl Ekstrom, who had the patent on asymmetrical boards. You have um, Ryan Birch here in San Clemente. We have Donald Brink, who's been a... By the way, Donald Brink is on a Coors Light commercial on national TV. What? I swear to God, I saw Donald Brink on like the Golf Channel or something. Sorry, on the Golf Channel or some some place. On maybe, YouTube. Maybe it was it. on NFL Network or no, this was on Are national. You hundred percent sure yes. it's him. He's Donald Brink him. is in a Coors Light commercial. He taught. He's talking. He's surfing. What? And then they've got like that. You know that sort of romantic front backlit sunset shot where they're having a cold. He has a refreshment. And, As opposed to. And then to. it says, like, Coors Light. For more, go to Coors Light slash BrinkSurf.com or whatever. Like, wow. I, he's, like, nationally known. Wow, that's crazy. Is it, like, an asymmetrical can that they're introducing or something? No, no it's just, it's more of a lifestyle thing. Like, there's Dying. this hipster dude with glasses from South Africa that's super smart. And, you know. And has a great PR team, apparently, or marketing or management mar- he, guy. He, he kind of sells himself. He's such a sweetheart that yeah. he, people go, yeah, I love this guy. And he, why? He does this and he's smart and he's from South Africa. And That's a know. story in and of itself, dude. We, I'll find that video and try to get it on Surf Splendor Podcast. Call him. Call Brink. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Well, so anyways, asymmetry is what we're talking about. And that board that Josh Kerr is winning on yeah. is currently being auctioned on ebay yeah and um they're gonna give the proceeds to charity and the charity for this board is flea hab right that's what i saw flea yeah. roscoe's um you know uh, drug rehab program that he's got going on in santa cruz yeah so i think that's really cool um number one that kerr's pushing design and then number two that they're Give, donating the proceeds it is cool and he's he's surfing well you know um surfboard wise the thing that i'm really looking at is that kelly slater's riding this weber four fin this quad fin and it's kind of neat you know and quite frankly I'm, i keep waiting for the board to not work and it seems to be working pretty good for him yeah uh i i think it was round one maybe or maybe it was yeah where you were kind of going mm, i was yeah. really studying the board and going maybe kelly's just so good he's making the board look good i, I want to say it feels longer ago than that i'm wondering if maybe it was cloud break he wrote it in round one he did write it Reese. yeah that, i think it was and it did not look good and he lost the heat and i was like oh that was a mistake but if it is the same board it's certainly a weber um he's he is ripping on it now that yesterday he surfed really really well yeah in, in both heats yeah that Round one three, wave where he just kind of manned his way through it it was it was, it was um, chandeliering and it was crumbling. the final minute of that round four heat he needed a seven something and he got the score and he just grinded through that yeah. foam yeah and not to mention of course cj's wave which was just incredible yeah which was just mind-bending like houdini like that moment where you're like okay he's he might make it out no there's no way he's making it out oh you know what the wave's over why are they still even showing it and then he just somehow comes out yeah. you know that was amazing yeah that was really amazing and bruno santos you know i have him God on my dang. team i know tony roberts has him on his team i and yeah. you know yeah i mean how can you not take a wild card that's won the event before that's well, like not taking joel parkinson at jay bay i'm pretty upset about this whole fantasy surfer thing because it is I'm kicking your ass again away out of my grasp <laughs> so badly. And the problem was I picked my team a day or two before the event when Bruno wasn't even on the roster. He wasn't available. I would have easily put Bruno on my team. That's called user error. It is. And instead I put Glenn Hall on my team, oh which my I never God. would have done. That's horrid. I know. And so I was so upset. And then I even commented on Tony's Facebook thing that I saw you on a couple days before the event. I put my my 
lineup, my roster. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about subbing out Mick. I had Mick on my team and replacing him with Gabriel, who's cheaper, so I can use that extra cash to buy, replace Glenn Hall and some of my low-end guys. And then I didn't do it. And then Mick loses in round three, Gabriel smokes everybody, and that extra money could have been put to good use. And I would have got rid of Glenn. And now I'd be like riding high and shaming you. And instead, yeah, it's the other way around. one simple mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kicking your ass again. This whole season has just been the season of Bass, just dominating over David Lee Scales. Not good, dude. Fantasy surfer. I own it. You know, did I mention I'm actually number one in the women's clubhouse? (laughs) Yeah, there's only three, and it's like you, your mom, and somebody else. I don't think that I mentioned that previously. (laughs) Yeah, you did last time. So you're beating me in the men, but what are you, number 50 or something? I think you're down in 50th I don't compete in the women. I don't even feel the women's team. But in the men's, you're in the 50th position, right? I'm beating you in the men's, yes. I'm I'm like maybe 65th, but (laughs) there's there's 49 dudes ahead of you. Whereas in the women's, I think I'm. Where are one. they? Where are these? I don't see them in the room. It's just, it's just me and you, you one and I. You and in I. The right women's here. division. <laughs> That's so sad. You know what? You are number one in the women's division. I'm going to make a mem, memmy, mem. What are the meme? Same? Meme. I'm going to make a meme. You're laughing at me because I don't even know how to pronounce it. That's okay. That's all right. Um, a meme. I'm going to make, make a, straight, a meme. Straight out of Wasp Town meme. <laughs> Well, look, um, Bruno's doing great, yeah. and he's surfing great. It's too bad he didn't get through. Gabe, but Gabriel, even the commentators have done a great job of pinpointing that Gabriel seems unstoppable. Well, you know, when the waves were perfect last year, Gabe looked unstoppable. I will also argue when the waves are unpredictable like they were yesterday, he's also unstoppable. He has the really nimble ability to go high, go low, dodge chandeliers, which Kelly also has. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if they're opposite ends of the draw, but they're the two guys right now. Um, Owen, How cool Owen, is Bruno Santos when he takes off? Right from the takeoff, he does that real soul arch standing crazy. straight up. Crazy. That's some style. Dude, he That's had called the wrong, style. I thought he had the wrong line on that wave too. Like you can soul arch if you have that low line where all you're going to do is stand there and get spit out. He dropped in, like you said, late. And then it was a one that you might have had to pump into the high line or something. It was like shifty and, and weird. He just soul arched and through he, the back door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, dude, he soul arched over a bump and probably over the foam ball and didn't adjust his position at all. It was gnarly. He just manned it. And like so Dane Kiloa. I thought, so I thought consequently that he was soul arching into a closeout and then the guy just gets spit out. And I was like, whoa that was the coolest wave really cool and um i would say owen wright is the guy in the third position after gabe and kelly that can win it if the waves are perfect he can win it i don't know that he can really navigate as deftly as gabriel and kelly but he's right there right behind and how shallow does it look it is it looks so much shallower than i've ever seen it i mean you can literally see like the the water running off the reef and and it's you can tell it's only six inches deep right there. It is yeah. uber, uber shallow. I think they need to do a better job, and they're trying to convey that to the viewer that that where those guys are falling, it is ridiculously shallow. Well, a couple things were said about it. Um, on the west or on the south swell they had the previous rounds or the previous days, it runs differently, and there's a little bit more water on the reef. You know, It doesn't quite close out on the end as much. On this west swell that started showing up yesterday, it does get super shallow and dumps you on that six-inch section. Um, One thing that I found interesting that we haven't commented on too much is Kelly Slater, world's greatest surfer, dominates Chopu. He's won out there multiple times. He gets 
torn up out there. I mean, surfing takes its toll on you and is very obviously physical, but even the best surfer in the world in round one, he got his teeth chattered so hard he thought he knocked out a tooth. He came out of a wave and I think he bailed or maybe it clipped him in it the hit, head. He went down to the bottom and it hit him in the Clip, back. Yeah, or exactly. He didn't quite get a chance to pull in and the thing just axed him in the head so hard that he clamped his jaw shut and like his teeth got just like chattered and he came up feeling his teeth and then paddled up to the photographer and was like, dude, are my teeth still intact? Because his jaw was all sore still. And then later in this last round, or I think it was round three, he hit the reef, cut up his arm pretty badly. I don't know if he needed stitches or not, but I mean, in the post-heat interview, you could see it wasn't just a scrape. And it's kind of like, that's just common practice out there. You're going to surf and you're going to get smashed. Yeah. I mean, potentially losing your teeth is legit, dude. Well, people, people die out there. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that's how heavy that spot is. But it's kind of like if he wasn't doing a post-heat interview, you wouldn't have known that those two pretty drastic things happened to him. But right. it does. And it does all the time. Yeah. You know, all around the world, all year long. And that's what those guys do. Yeah, they'd all be right. wise. A producer over there would be wise to do a, a segment just on the bumps and the bruises and, mm-hmm. and what happens to those guys. Not to mention just sea urchins stepping on like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of minor stuff, too. So. David Lee Scales Sea Urchin segment. <laughs> How to extract an urgent probe from your foot. As long as Rosie Hodge does it, I'm good with it. I'll watch it. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, do you have must-see moment? Kook and Duke? I do. I have a must-see moment. It's, um, it's, it's Red Bull's. Who is J-O-B, Jamie O'Brien 5.0. And last time we sort of ripped on them for lighting him on fire. But this time, uh, at least the one I saw, and maybe you've seen it, the massive mainland Mexico where Shane Dorian and he do dueling tube rides together. They get towed in together. So they're on the back of a ski with tow ropes. One's behind the other. And they get towed into the same wave at this massive mainland Mexico beach wow. break, which shall remain nameless. Okay. And everyone knows where it is, but there's no need to talk about it and make it more crowded. But... Um, it's pretty incredible. Dorian and and Jamie O'Brien in these massive together with both of them with GoPros, you know. So you have the follow behind shot? You've got it all. You got the follow behind, the in the mouth, you know, both angles. Wow. It's pretty cool. And quite frankly, just the stuff when they're just surfing by themselves is even better, you know, like just mental yeah. toe in. I mean, we've kind of clowned on Jamie on the show a bit. The guy surfs unbelievably well. And pushes boundaries in a lot radically and in big waves and whatever. But that whole point oh series that he does with Red Bull, I have no interest in watching at all because it's too many party antics and also it's way overproduced with just tons of dubstep music and like quick cut edits and flashy graphics. And it's like I get sensory overload and I have to turn it off. But I wanna watch I like that will be the first episode of that I watch since season one, and I think they're in season five right now. Yeah, and, and, you know, I just randomly stumbled upon it um, through somebody, you know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm all about um, big mainland Mexico tubes. I wanted amazing. to see that. Yeah. I would love to see that. And I, the fact that Shane's in it kind of validates it for then me. Then there's some pretty funny, you know, <laughs> anecdotes or, you Antics. know. Yeah, um, with, you know, they've. I guess he's got some, like. Poopsies. Poopsies, yeah. Who's this Poopsies guy? He's like his, like. He's like his clown guy yeah, or something. Totally. Yeah, totally. His and jester. He's his court jester, and they just send him out into these 20-foot waves on an inner tube, and 
He literally almost dies and is like crying. How's that stuff. guy not died? I don't know. I've I, seen him surf off the wall on skis, literally snow ski, or maybe they were water skis, but literally they tow him in on parallel skis on into off the wall and he just gets smashed. Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad. Like you kind of just feel like he's being ab- abused a little bit. Like, I mean, how much money is he making? He's getting exploited or is something. Is he getting paid in Red Bull? I hope he's getting paid. I'm sure he is. Yeah. But it's pretty, yeah. I mean, he's literally like putting his life on the line. Agreed. Right? Completely. And then they, they do the same with Ryan Hipwood. They tow, they convince him to do this thing. And Ryan Hipwood catches the biggest wave of the whole thing on the inner tube. It's easily a 20-foot wave. And it's just, you know, video makes waves look smaller. Yes. Like, can you imagine the view this guy had? It must have looked like a 40-foot wave. It was inc- It was just intense. Yeah. So check out the okay two dudes one barrel who is job 5.0 by red ball it's pretty damn fun uh it'll be on down the line radio.com and surf splendor podcast.com that's right a link to it it's hard to kind of embed that stuff i can embed it oh you're the man come on well then surf splendor podcast.com uh my must-see moment did you see us blanks instagram this morning no all right dude I was wanting to talk about this the last couple of shows, but I didn't want to just brush past it. I thought it deserved like its own discussion. I'm going there. Right now. All right, check it. Yeah, um, I was down in Costa Rica, Nicaragua last month and spent some time in Nicaragua with these little, these two little shapeshifters. Girls. No, oh. these two little girls, Scott, the most impressive little surfer girls I've ever seen in my life oh, by McDonald's? a country mile. No, oh. eight in this video on us blanks, Instagram, Eight years old and 10 years old. They're now nine and 11, mm-hmm. but they're these blonde haired 40 pound girls that charge the outer reefs, like at Papoyo, when Papoyo looks like pipeline and is like ledging barreling. Yeah. This eight year old girl, watch her get sucked over the falls on the first wave. Oh right? my God, she's getting completely worked. Eight years old, dude. It's like a 10 foot proper barreling slab. She wipes out on the drop and you see her little tiny body getting sucked over the falls. These girls, charge not only do they charge but they rip when they're surfing the smaller waves they're ripping so the story is valentina is the older of the two uh candy candelaria is the younger of the two they have an even younger sister named maxi who doesn't really surf but their dad just charges and so they kind of grew up with him and um they paddle out without their dad oftentimes into those kind of 10 plus foot surf. Their mom's on the beach filming. They're just comfortable being in the water like John John was at Pipeline back in the day. And they charge. So our group was out there surfing this kind of, it was at um, Colorado's. It was maxed out. It was like 10 plus foot swell, 10 to 15 foot swell. So Colorado's is too big to surf. So you go down the beach, there's a surf called Ponga Drops which is kind of more open ocean style wave, kind of like Sunset Beach, actually. A lot of shifty water moving and kind of a, a peak that kind of shifts. And so our group paddles out there and these two girls came with us. And um, our buddy, Eric Kramer, who you might know, ex-pro surfer, the guy still rips. He's paddling into a wave that he was going to back out of. Like literally, like he's paddling into this 10 plus footer, like digging in and all the offshore wind coming up. And he said... Like he was not sure if he should even go because it was a little sketch. He hears this little girl's voice deeper than him, 10 feet deeper (laughs) on the proper peak go, hey, Eric, are you going? And he glances over and she's got her head down, 11-year-old girl digging in and just pops up to her feet and takes off into the infinite abyss. Eric pulls back, (laughs) baffled going, dude, I seriously 
was going to chicken out of that wave and I was on the shoulder. Valentina rushing it. And then not only takes off, rips the thing, does a couple of turns to the beach, to the inside section. These little girls are insane. So we spent like four or five days with them. They charged, they ripped. And um, additionally, speak multiple languages, do like judo, do yoga, do all sorts of um, cross training kind of stuff. They're like the most impressive little girls I've ever been around. Uh, They will be world famous at some point. It's just they're living in Costa Rica in anonymity, kind of like everybody down there knows. Yeah. But I was baffled, like speak perfect English and really interesting stuff too. Like I was like, oh, you know, I'll send you some video clips and She's 11 years old and she's like, oh, what file type are they? I tell her and she's like, oh, I'll have to convert them because, you know, I run this and blah, blah, blah. But you can email them. Can you Dropbox them? Send them to my email. Like just very technically proficient, sophisticated, well-spoken. It felt like you're talking to an adult and she's 11 years old, but as small as an eight-year-old, you know, (laughs) crazy. Does that speak to the the adults that you interact with here in the United States more than... Probably. Isn't that the way you should behave? My favorite quote from that Tim Ferriss podcast with Laird Hamilton that I was talking about was he's like, you know, if you're always the smartest dude in the room, doesn't mean you're that smart. just means you're in the wrong room. (laughs) (laughs) That's epic. Speaking of Laird, you know the the classic Surfer magazine from 2000, the Oh My God cover? Millennium Wave. The Millennium Wave. Yeah, Chopu. Yeah, we've got that board. That board's in the auction. That's one of the boards in the auction. Toe-in board, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, the toe-in board. Bill Hamilton, his dad. Okay. Yeah, it's incredible. That's a good good get. Yeah. So we've got a bunch of killer boards. It's ridiculous. Well, um... Kook and Duke, my kook of the month or kook of the week is the Snowdonia for closing, obviously, and probably putting a bunch of people um, in a bit of a tizzy for traveling. You have a kook? I don't. Okay. I'm sorry. My Duke is Google for yesterday putting Duke Konomoku as their banner. When you visited Google, they oftentimes change out the logo. Yesterday was a logo of Duke because it was his 125th birthday. So they paid tribute to Duke. That is pretty cool. And my my Duke is... I mean, it's their Duke for using the Duke. Yeah, my Duke, Duke is um, the guy who did the artwork, Mike Krukshank. So oh, congrats. I was wondering. It was really good. Yeah. So good job on doing that, Mike. Very cool. Uh, All right. Speaking of 125th birthday, um, Yosemite National Park is having their 125th anniversary on my birthday this year. So I'm going to spend my birthday with their birthday. They literally opened the park on the day I was born, um, you know, 100 and... 10 years prior or something like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not 110, 90 Just, years Look, prior. you're winning the women's prior. fantasy surfer, all right? Get over it. <laughs> so I told you I'm into camping now because of that oh, yeah. wild. This is part of that. Yeah, they've got IHOPs there. So. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. Yeah. I want to go visit Yellowstone. That's on my bucket list. It's on mine, too. I'm going to go for sure. 15-hour drive. I already looked into it. I want to go there. I heard oh. in September. It's awesome. Okay. Well... You've got a few days to plan your trip, dude. September's next September. right around the corner. Not going to be this September. It's going to be next September. we got the Vintage Surf Auction coming up. I hadn't heard. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be Interesting. Good. I've yeah. never heard of such a thing. Yeah. Do you have any involvement with that at all? <laughs> okay, well, until next time, uh, for David and for Scott, adios and aloha. Yeah, all right. Right on. Thank you, everybody. Even though we didn't give you a um, 
unique show today. Put a little bit of extra passion and love into my banter with Scott just for you for our 100th episode. All right. So shout out again to all the listeners. Thanks again for making the show possible. Continue spreading the love and the good word, and we'll keep pumping them out. All right. I got a good episode for you next week. And then, of course, just follow on social media at Surf Splendor. Leave comments on the website, Surf Splendor Podcast. And uh, that's it. Engage with us. Oh, rate and review the show in iTunes. That has been really, really beneficial to helping the show grow. And I think we have like 75 or something reviews. I don't know how many ratings, but it's like mostly five stars. There's a one star and there's a four star in there. So um, the rest are all five. So pretty amazing. On Yelp, that would be a proper five. All right. So thank you for that. And um, enjoy your week. I will be back next week. But until then, I am encouraging you. Get in the water, no matter how big or how small. Catch a couple waves and shred on.